Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, why are people into that, listeners? It's Tina here. It's mid-May 2020 as I record this. I hope you're all doing your best to make risk-aware assessments for yourself and for the greater good these days. I'm doing my best to continue recording podcast episodes remotely during quarantine, and I also took advantage of a lot of neurotic time alone with my archives, aka the bookshelves and hard drives in my apartment, to dig up this recording of a lecture on the horrorarchy I gave a few years ago, and I decided to release it on this Why Are People Into That feed. Now, I gave this lecture at Stigma Unbound, a Sex Workers and Allies performance series, which on October 26, 2017, took place at Brooklyn's wonderful occult shop, Catland Books. The hierarchy is a concept I hope to continue working on as it's, for better or worse, an enduring theme of sex worker rights. I'm releasing it in honor of International Horrors Day, which is June 2nd. I hope that you are all celebrating and giving back to the sex worker community. You can also see a video of the lecture on my Patreon. Shout out to all my loyal patrons. There is no better time than now to support my work by pledging patreon.com slash T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. And while I've got your ear, I want to let you know that the trade paperback collection of the first seven issues of my original science fiction comic book series, Safe Sex, has a new release date. July 22nd. You can contact your local comic book store or visit the website of my publisher, Image Comics, to pre-order that trade collection now for $9.99, which frankly is a deal at twice the price. Morgan M. Page, who is the host of the amazing trans history podcast, One from the Vaults, wrote the intro, and it's got a lot of other bonus kind of making of behind the scenes stuff in there as well. Okay, thanks for listening. And now, my lecture on the hierarchy from Catland Books at Stigma Unbound, October 26, 2017. So, uh, I want to introduce to you uh, the, the great uh, Tina Horn. She's a filmmaker, uh, she is an educator, um, she uh, gives a lot of lectures about uh, sex work and politics, and uh, she's whipped one up uh, very special for us tonight about the hierarchy. Uh, please give a warm welcome. <laughs> uh, please give a warm welcome to Tina Horn. It's true. I don't need. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi. I'm Tina Horn, and for the next 15 minutes or so, I'm going to talk to you about the hierarchy what it is and how understanding it can help us to combat poor phobia, which is what we're all here to do tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 
and I gotta give a shout out to Morgan Clare who gave me permission to use her amazing art in the slideshow. Her art is also on all the walls and I believe for, is for sale and she did the slowest tarot and she's amazing. <laughs> I got started in the sex industry over 10 years ago in the Bay Area doing professional BDSM. I dabbled a little bit in porn in front of and behind the camera. I created, produced, and directed a website called Queer Porn TV. These days, I am a little bit more focused on journalism. I write a lot about sex worker rights and kink and queer identity on the internet. And I have a podcast called Wire People Into That, which is all about sex, kink, gender, and love. It's very sex work forward and queer forward and slut forward, so I feel like you guys will all like it. Um, <laughs> and I've uh, written a couple of books, including Love Not Given Lightly, which is about doing sex work in the Bay Area, and Sexting, which is about sexting. And <laughs> I have a couple of copies of those books for sale, and if you're interested, you can talk to me or talk to the amazing folks in the back. And if you want to follow along on your device, I am on Twitter and Instagram as at Tina Horn's ass, which is spelled the same as Tina Horn sass. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so, what is the hierarchy? You all laughed. Sadly, the hierarchy is not whore anarchy, although Google image searching whore anarchy <laughs> was really fun. Uh, the hierarchy is less fun. It is actually a portmanteau that stands for whore hierarchy, and it's a term originating in and used within the sex worker rights movement to describe the social stratifications within the industry. The social stratifications of the hierarchy are, in my construction of them, arranged from the top of the hierarchy where the you are least likely to be affected by horophobia and sex work stigma to the bottom at which point you are the most likely to be affected by horophobia and sex work stigma. And we're gonna talk more about where to find yourself on the hierarchy. Everybody here has a place on it. Of course, sadly, the hierarchy mirrors the social stratifications that we find elsewhere in society, such as white supremacy, perhaps you've heard of it, capitalism, anybody, yes, you've heard of these things, the, the heteropatriarchy, cis-premacy, you can boo, it's totally fine. And the hierarchy, the hierarchy also reinforces the relationship of sexual value, especially female sexual value, even though obviously we are here to talk about sex workers of all gender, and sex workers of all gender are affected by the hierarchy. And it, so it reinforces the relationship of sexual value to purity and virtue and respectability, respectability of course being a really big term that we're gonna come back to. Now, one thing I really want to make clear is that I'm not here evangelizing for the hierarchy. I, I don't want, 
us to perpetuate the horrarchy, it's bad, okay? I'm just gonna like get that out of the way. Like everything that I'm gonna be talking about today are are bad ideas that we that we don't want to think. Unfortunately, many people do, and we in many ways are guilty of perpetuating these things ourselves. So the reason that it's useful to talk about the hierarchy is that it helps us to understand what society wants us to think about sex workers and other people who are sexually transgressive and understanding those messages is going to help us to fight the power which is what we're all here to do right because you didn't need more energy than that to fight the power let me tell you okay so this, I, I'm just going to quickly go over my mapping of the hierarchy. Your experience or understanding of it may vary. So at the top of the hierarchy, you have the common slut. And the reason that I've included the common slut, who may not actually, is because she's here. She's here. <laughs> I wanted to include her. But also because... The common slut, even though she may not actually be a sex worker, may be profiled as such and thus experiences the taint of the hierarchy, and we will come back to that. Around the same level are going to be non-sex work professions that focus on sex. So maybe a writer or podcaster or medical professional who's, who's the, where the subject of their work is sex sometimes do experience some horphobia in their work, but they have the most social mobility, which is why they're at the top of the hierarchy. So then getting into the actual sex work part of the hierarchy, we have sugar babies or people who provide a girlfriend experience or maybe a boyfriend experience. And this is a little bit complicated because even though the things that sugar babies may do in their jobs may be identical to the things that other sex workers do, they define it differently and their clients often define it differently, which can affect where they fall on the hierarchy. So then at around the same level, we have BDSM professionals and escorts. And I just want to define escort in this case as somebody who is a full service provider. And by a full service, a lot of you know that I mean someone who provides penetration of their May, may, maybe all of their holes, one or several holes, including or maybe limited to their vagina, their ass, their mouth, etc. The reason that this particular kind of prostitute is so high in the hierarchy is that I'm using escort to describe a high-class escort. And the concept of high-class, of course, is going to be extremely relevant to how we are thinking about the hierarchy, even though, again, the things that they may be providing are going to be identical to folks at other places on the hierarchy. Certain class signifiers mean that they get more cachet. Then we have BDSM professionals. As I've mentioned, this is the part of the industry that I've worked in the most. It is my orientation, if you will. <laughs> so this is going to be your dominatrixes, your professional submissives, anybody that does fetish or fantasy exploration. And part of the reason that they are so high on the hierarchy is that often they do not provide full service. And sometimes that is reality and sometimes that is just perception. Getting down into the next level, we have the kinds of sex work that it are mediated by technology, right? So over here we have cam models, phone sex operators, uh, phone sex used to be a lot more prevalent. It has often been replaced by video chatting, but it does still exist. 
And in this case, in the traditional sense, the sex worker is interacting with their client, but are more often than not never in, or at least not during the course of the session, in the same room as their client or actually having sex with them. And then we have porn performers. Porn performers are an interesting place on the hierarchy because on one hand, porn performers have sex with each other, right? They have sex with other sex workers, not with their clients. So that kind of like raises them up on the hierarchy, but then at the same time, especially in today's internet age, the ability of a porn performer to have control over their discretion and their privacy is just very difficult, which makes them more vulnerable to exposure and porphobia. So then we have strippers. Now, anybody who has been a stripper or been to a strip club or is now is like on their way to pumps after this <laughs> is, I know you what knows that within dancing there are all kinds of trashy and classy clubs and perceptions, but, the, but I do think that in general the popular imagination imagines the stripper as trashy, which is in some ways right like the opposite of classy, and so that is why, unfortunately, strippers are often very low on the hierarchy. Then, if you guys can see over here, we have full body sensual massage, which for those of you who are not indoctrinated means like a scrub down and a hand job, usually. <laughs> and even though, this is also a, a part of the industry that I've worked in, so even though workers who do full body sensual massage don't usually provide penetration, there is still a perception of being low class, which is why they are so low on the hierarchy, which brings us to street workers, the kinds of prostitutes who are most likely to be called a hooker, and of course, the most intersectionally marginalized of all the different kinds of sex workers. So, I know that's a lot to digest, but here's more. <laughs> just about wealth and class, right? So, in other words, the more plausible deniability that you have that you are doing your job for something other than money, <laughs> the higher you are in the hierarchy. What are some reasons you might go to your job besides money? Well, here are some things that are expected sex worker for sex workers to explain that nobody seems to expect anybody else in any other job to have to explain. You may be doing it for your art. You may be doing it for research. You may be doing it for your own empowerment. 
you may be doing it for adventure or to make a political statement or for your own personal satisfaction because you're such a slut you might as well get paid for it right now I probably have said all of these things at one point or another and I'm not saying that these are bad motivations but the it the more social mobility you have to be able to explain well it's something other than the money maybe something that you are using to try to rid yourself of horophobia. Number two, heteronormative constructs of sexual intimacy. So, based on the heteropatriarchal idea of like what sex actually is, like, you know, the, the like P and the V, and you know, that's all. <laughs> the, more, the more that you give up your virtue, calling back to what I was saying before, and provide or allow that kind of sex, the lower you are on the hierarchy, which is why, for example, a prostitute might be lower on the hierarchy than somebody who, get, who does full body central massage and just gives them a hand job. And then of course, intersectional oppressions and privilege, right? So I'm just gonna spell it out for you. I'm white, so automatically, boom, congratulations, I'm higher on the hierarchy. I'm cisgender automatically higher on the hierarchy. Things like education, all of, the, all of the different social stratifications that we were talking about earlier, you all know how they work, and so when you're thinking about them and how they relate to one another, that also influences where you fall in the hierarchy. And then, how intensely does stigma affect your life? How intensely does sex work stigma and horophobia affect your life? What are the dangers for you in your life of being out to your intimate partners, to your friends, to your family, to your extended family, to your other jobs, in your community, on the internet, on social media. So who is behind all of this? Who, who believes it and who perpetuates it? So of course, police and the law, that includes law enforcement, but the law can affect our lives in other ways as well, including job discrimination, including the next bullet point here, which is related to community and family. The more vulnerable you are in the hierarchy, the more vulnerable you are in losing a child custody battle, for example, or simply being excommunicated from your family, which can look like a lot of different horrible things. And then we have horizontal violence, which is a term used to describe violence within communities. And violence, is, as we all know, is not always physical, but can also be emotional and psychological and be about isolation and exclusion, right? So the biggest takeaway that I want to give you from this talk is now that we've mapped this out a little bit and are working on understanding it, let's figure out what are the ways that we perpetuate the hierarchy within the sex work community, whether we are actually at work, at the club, or the dungeon, or a hotel, or wherever, or whether we are at an event like this at Catland, or whether we are in a totally non-sex work space. In what ways do you perpetuate the hierarchy because you think, and by the way, spoiler alert, this is, this is, this is not actually true, you think that you will be protected from stigma by perpetuating stigma against other people. So just to reiterate, 
it won't help. <laughs> Throwing people under the bus won't help. So let's think about that and try to be critical. So I feel like we're probably about at time now, So, but I do want to take about three to five minutes to maybe, if anybody has any questions, uh, and also to just open it up. I have a lot of examples here of how we can fight the hierarchy, but I would really love to hear your thoughts and questions and also ideas about how to do that. So does anybody have anything to say? Yeah? Um, when it came to street workers, I was thinking about like, street workers that work on the internet, how would that, you know, would that be in the same category or would it be something different? Well, you know, how you advertise and how you reach your clients and communicate with your clients may be different from how you actually do the work. So if you are only interacting with your clients online, I would put that in the category of a CAM model, uh, whether you are communicating with them, providing services over text or images or video, I would, I would sort of put that on that level. But if you're communicating with your clients online to then meet up with them in person, I think that it's complicated and these things are not necessarily fit in one place, which is why one of the things that I really want us to talk about is the tools for sort of understanding intersectionally how you might find yourself there. So if you are meeting, if you're interacting with your clients on, you know, I was going to say Backpage or uh, Red Boy or My Red Book, um, but... That's another lecture. Uh, um, uh, but then meeting up in person, I think it really depends on the circumstances in, in, that, you're, that you're meeting up with them. If you have an in-call where you have built-in safety and community that, that might put you higher on the hierarchy, it's, yeah, it's complicated. Yeah? Are there any policies or movements uh, supporting decriminalization uh, or are, are there any? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, there are. I, I by the way, am, full, uh, am for the full decriminalization of sex work globally, and so is Amnesty International. <laughs> um, in New York, um, I would definitely recommend as a resource um, SWAP, which is the Sex Workers Outreach, uh, Outreach Project, as well as the Red Umbrella Project. There, there, are, there are a lot of resources for how you can get involved in decriminalization work. And it's really, it's a global movement now, but as with anything, we do have to start locally. So talk to me afterwards and we can talk about it more. Thanks for asking about that. It's super important. Yeah. Can you explain leverage or privilege to be out? Yes, I can. Basically, what that means is, well, let me go back to what I was saying about myself. So because of the intersectional ways that I have privilege, have privilege, being white, for example, and having a master's degree. I have a certain amount of social mobility to be standing here in front of friends and community and also a bunch of strangers where somebody could be taping me and putting out online me talking about my experience with sex work, right? So, so I, this, not to be like tooting my own horn, but like this is... Uh, that, that is what that's what I try to do to leverage the privilege that I do have to do things that might be more dangerous for other people to do. But there are a ton of things that I've even just talked about in this lecture, and I could go on and on and on that I have done to perpetuate the hierarchy, which is part of that's another reason that I'm trying to do this work is that I'm realizing, for example, when I told my parents that I was doing sex work, I told them that I was a dominatrix, 
but I took advantage of their limited idea of what a dominatrix is and what she does to make them feel safer about the work that I was doing. So, for example, I told them that I wore full-body fetish gear and never took my clothes off, which is not true. (laughs) I told them that my clients weren't allowed to touch me, not true. I told them that I, I think I probably told them that, like, that I didn't touch them and that I didn't have sex with them. People, I have, if you lined up the butts, I have fucked. <laughs> you know, which goes back to this idea of, like, I can win this weird way, like, I'm protected because I, I have never provided, like, a client penetrating my vagina with their penis, but I have, like, stuck my dick in so many paying people. Uh, but like in, but in the heteropatriarchy idea and maybe in my parents idea that's like not sex whereas if I took somebody home tonight and put on a strap on and fucked you in the ass you better believe that tomorrow over brunch I would be telling my girlfriends that I got laid last night that I had sex <laughs> right so so, so uh, yeah that's uh, does that answer your question yeah <laughs> okay one more question Oh. In the age of uh, all of us working very separately and mm. often off of the internet, uh, do you feel like maybe it would be in our better interest to gang up together? <laughs> are you talking about a girl gang? Like satin yes. and switchblade? Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we're strong. Divided we fall, absolutely. I mean, I yeah, and and one of the most pernicious things that affects the mental health of sex workers is isolation. So maybe another thing that we can do to fight the hierarchy is reach out and, and try to create community in a lot of different ways because coming to a magic shop on a Thursday might be a good way for a lot of people to create community and there are a lot of other people in New York City for whom that's not an option or not to the taste, which matters. So, um, so yeah, gangs. Thank you, Tina. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 